Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. If you've been hit by this, you are out cold. Don't get me wrong, you're probably walking around talking to people, but you are out cold when it comes to getting engaged in ministry or whatever it is that you want to do. This is going to wreck you. This is the fourth punch that you can get. It's called offense, the punch of offense. I don't know if you've ever been hit by that before, but I feel like tonight it's going to help somebody. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get stuck straight into it. Father, thank you so much for today. Uh, thank you for tonight. We thank you what you did in this morning service. And tonight, God, we believe and agree together that you're going to do a transforming work in the lives of other people tonight. So Father, uh, let us have an open heart and an open mind. And Lord, there are people here tonight. Maybe they just came along tonight, didn't expect to be sitting in church. But God, I really believe that they're here for a reason. And I believe that tonight you're going to speak to us. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So this is something that Jesus said. He said, offenses will come. Luke 17 verse 1, offenses will come. So you should expect that in life, someone's going to offend you. It's probably already happened to you, but you should expect that at some point in your journey, someone is going to offend you. That word for offense in the New Testament comes from a Greek word. It's called scandalon. Even sounds bad, doesn't it? It's like scandal. Like, you know, sounds like something negative has happened, you know? Scandalon. And, and it can also mean like a stumbling block. So things are going to cause you to trip up in life. You're going to stumble over some things that might hurt you when you trip over them. But here's what it actually means. It means the movable stick or trigger of a trap. So, you know, if there was a trap that was set, you moved the, the trigger stick, it's like, Bam, the trap snaps and it captures you and you become a prisoner. And this is what this whole offense thing is all about. Let me tell you a story. A couple of years ago, I caught up with a friend of mine that I had not seen for many years. And uh, he was telling me this story. And to be honest, it's a tragic story. It's horrible. A a good friend of his had gone over to the uh, States, United States, and uh, he was actually a, a great baseball player. And uh, he was a victim of a gang shooting. And so it was a horrible story. And you might have seen it was in the newspaper uh, back here. A lot of people were sort of talking about it. And so we we were just talking about this. and, And he was telling me about how he felt. And he was getting upset and he was getting annoyed and and angry. And as he was telling me this story, he kind of stopped short. And he knew that I was a pastor. So he said to me, oh... But you probably wouldn't know how that feels. So what are you talking about? He said, oh, you know, like getting like upset because you're a pastor and uh, you're not allowed to get upset, are you? Like you're not allowed to get angry. And he said that to me and I was like, uh, how honest should I be with this guy? I said, uh, <laughs> no. We get upset, you know, we, we're not different. Like, I get angry upset sometimes. I get upset sometimes because I'm a human. And humans get upset sometimes. So can I tell you a human story about myself? Is that okay with you tonight? Can I tell you a human story? All right. So 
A number of years ago, our church was not located here in One Turner South. We're actually in Ringwood, right in the heart of Eastland Shopping Centre. And so often on my lunch breaks, I would go down to Eastland Shopping Centre. And this one particular day, I had gone down to the, the music store Sanity, which is pretty ironic for the rest of this conversation that we're going to have tonight, all right? So, so I went down to Sanity, and I'm standing in line, and I have been waiting for some time now for somebody to serve me. There's a lot of people in the store. So anyway, eventually, it's my turn. Now, just before it gets to be my turn, this very well-dressed man walks into Sanity and stands next to me. And the lady says, who's next? And right as I'm drawing breath to say, I am, he gives me a look and this kind of look on his face said, yep, I'm going to do this. And he says, I believe I was next. And when he did it, he put his hand open in front of my face about an inch from my nose. He says, I was next. And so I'm want to be honest with you tonight. So I looked at him and I was thinking something was about to go down. Something was about to happen, right? And I'm about to say, but now before anything comes out of my mind, this is what I'm literally processing. Before I speak, I go, wait a minute. I said, you're meant to be a pastor and you're on your break right now. And uh, you've never seen this guy before. But this guy who is clearly very rude. He might show up at church on Sunday. And I just imagined what would happen if he walked into the church and he said, oh, that, that pastor, that's the guy that punched me on the face on, on Wednesday at Eastland Shopping Center. And I thought that that would be a pretty bad thing to be accused of as a pastor. So before I punched him, I processed that and I just said nothing. Can I tell you how I felt? This is literally what's going through my, my emotional state at the time. I felt like when he walked in there dressed up in his suit, he kind of looked at me and summed me up and maybe he thought, you're not working right now um, and I'm well-dressed and I'm more important than you and I'm a businessman and I have places to be so you will be quiet while I get served. And it's almost like he was weighing me up and saw himself as more important than me. And that's how it felt. And you know what happened? Bam! I was offended. I was offended by the way he had thought about me because I didn't know what he was thinking, but I just could only imagine what was going through his mind. Have you ever been offended? Have you ever been offended by someone that said something or did something or maybe didn't do something? And, and let me guess, when you were offended, you felt justified in your offense, didn't you? Here's what happens internally every time that you're offended. You say, let me check with myself. Yep, I don't like you. Because instantly, you know what will happen inside of you? You will always agree with yourself. So it always feels justified. So what is offense? Well, you might have experienced offense if somebody has offended you. So you might have experienced offense if somebody has betrayed you. If somebody has said something about you that they shouldn't have said, someone 
gossiped about you. You told someone a secret and you said you can't tell anyone. And they said, I will never tell anyone. But then they found a friend of theirs that was very trustworthy. And they said, let me share this story with you. But you can't say anything because it's a secret. That person said, I will not tell anyone. And then they found a friend of theirs that was very trustworthy. And they said, I'm going to tell you a secret, but you can't tell anyone. They said, I will never do that. And then, okay, so you know what happens, right? And then it circles and it gets around and suddenly your secret is everywhere and you felt betrayed and you felt offended and you had a right to be offended. That's what it feels like. But can I tell you what offense really is? Like most of the time, it's unmet expectations. Doesn't it always really hurt when you didn't see it coming? You really trusted someone. They really let you down. When you had an expectation that they didn't meet, they did something you didn't think they'd do. They said something you didn't think they'd say, and suddenly you get offended. Offense is deeply personal. There's no standard. What offends me may not offend you. So if you're quite a resilient person and you don't get offended easy, do you know what? You might actually be quite an offensive person because you measure other people's potential for offense by your own internal standard. And you say, no one's going to be offended by that. Oh, yes, they are. (laughs) Depending on how you're wired and depending on sort of who you are and how you think. Can I tell you something about the planet? You might already know there are millions of people here like billions, billions and millions of people, millions of people even in this, the state of Victoria. And just because we're surrounded by people means it's, you're going to find, because we're living in a society, that there's going to be opportunities for offense. Wherever there's people, there's an opportunity for offense. Let me give you a piece of advice tonight. If you want to avoid offense altogether, you really your only options are you should move to the North Pole. And upon moving to the North Pole, should you land and discover that Santa is actually there, you are out of luck. Now, I know a lot of Christians that get offended by Santa. So if you're one of those, you are just out of luck because it doesn't seem to matter where you go, you're going to end up offended. You have millions of opportunities to be offended every day by people all around you. And since we live in community and society, you've got to understand that it's probably going to happen to you at some point some way and somehow. Man, I got this pretty cool Apple Watch. And uh, sometimes I'll be in meetings and I feel very busy and I don't have the time to put my hand into my pocket to withdraw my phone because I'm busy. I'm, I, need, I need to respond in a nanosecond, okay? So when a call comes through... Uh, I can reject it and it gives me an option to send a message to the person that I just rejected their call. Or somebody can send me a text message and it says, well, how, how do you want to reply? And it gives me a list of options because I can't type on it. It's too small to type on. So it gives me a list of pre-programmed responses. Now, when, some, when, I, when a message comes up and I'm busy so I can't really respond, this has caught me so many times. I take out my watch and I begin to scroll through the responses. 
And you know the response is because it's only a small little device, it gives me like one word answers. So I can just say no, yes, or thanks, right? And you know, as I scroll through this, I go, no, that's not, no, they'll probably be offended by that. No, I can't, I can't send one word, not one word. Because if I send one word, I know these people will be like, what's up with one word? Like, I just sent you a full text message. I wrote you half a story. My text message had chapters. You're going to send back thanks? Are you, are you kidding me? Thanks? Is, that's all you've got for me? It actually gives me initials. NP, no problem. I sent back, no problem. I'll tell you what, I sent NP, that's going to be a problem. I didn't, I didn't think there was a problem. Till I sent no problem, now someone's got a problem. That's why I hate Facebook Messenger. Some people send me messages sometimes. And the thing about Facebook Messenger, I don't need to tell you tonight, as soon as you read a message, it tells everybody the time that you read the message. So when, so you know what I do? I don't read them. I don't read them. You know why? Because as soon as I read it, they're going to expect me to reply to it. And let's say that by mistake, I read the message, but I didn't have time to reply. Someone on the other end of that text message is going... Why didn't he reply? What? I know that you read my message. It's clearly in there. And you don't have the time. Oh, you don't have the time to reply to me. What? Because you're all that. You think that you're more important. You are not important. This is going to go through people's minds. Now, here's the interesting thing. The longer the gap between when I read the message and when a message is replied to... People can just get all twisted and bent out of shape. You know why? Because their imagination begins to fill in the gaps, right? So they start to think back about the conversation. What was the last thing that we spoke about? I'm just scanning for offense. Did I say something? Maybe he doesn't like me anymore. Maybe he thinks I'm no good. That's probably what it is. The last time we spoke, he said something. What was it? I'm going to go over this and scan for offense, right? Do we have any overthinkers in the room tonight? Anybody that... Re- okay, some of you are honest. Some of you are just lying. So you overthink and you lie. It's terrible. But there is hope for you in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So... See, here is the thing. It's easy to get offended. It's easy to overthink. And by the way, if you are a classic overthinker, I'm sorry, you are prone to get offended. It's so easy for you to get offended. And this is going to mess you up in life. Now, I want to read scripture to you guys tonight. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. Just so you know what that means. When it talks about the flesh, it's talking about our, our physical life. So, you know, even though we walk in the physical world and realm, we're not waging war. You've never seen someone, you know, just fighting out in the air. That's a bit weird. But it says, no, no, no. We have weapons. Our weapons of our warfare as Christian people are, uh, of our warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, a stronghold is a repeated pattern of thinking or thought. So this is something that takes place in your mind. It says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion, that's all it is, just an opinion, raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Sometimes you're going to have a 
thought and you need to apprehend it, take it captive, not just run with what's necessarily going through your mind. You see, the fight that will take place when it comes to offense is most often in your mind. And should you be unlucky enough to get hit by this thing, it will knock you out cold. Let me tell you, Satan, who is a real person, Satan wants you out cold on the canvas. The canvas is simply, you know, like if you went to a boxing ring, the canvas is the floor, okay? So he wants you out cold on the floor, and here's how he will do it. He will create an offense inside your heart somewhere, some way, somehow to destroy your relationships around you and begin to isolate you so that you're all by yourself and then he can start to pick you off. It's so easy to get offended, isn't it? So easy to get offended. So I don't know, someone said this once, before marriage, opposites attract. After marriage, opposites attack. Why is it that sometimes when people get married, what was really cute while they were dating is very annoying when they're married? You say, I thought that that was pretty cool when we were dating, but that is actually very irritating and you should stop it. It's annoying me, right? I tell you, this is what happens. People start to get offended so easy and it will often happen to the people that's closest to you. So let me tell you, I know maybe many of you tonight here are not married. So this is just like some marriage advice that hopefully will help you. Here is a bad question to ask when you're married. Let's say, for example, doesn't matter, male or female, but you get home and your spouse has been home all day. And so you walk into the house and here is the question, but let me rephrase it so you understand what I mean tonight. If you walk into the house and you say, hey, so what'd you do today, right? That, that doesn't sound bad, does it? What did you do today? That's an innocent question, right? Let me show you how this works, right? You walk into the house and you stand there, you notice that the dishes aren't done and the washing's not done and uh, the house is a little bit of a mess and you ask it like this, so what did you do today? Oh, now, now, you are going to hurt. This is going to be painful for you. You see, it's not so much what you said, but it's the spirit with which you said it. See, the married people are going, mm, amen, preach, because this is what happens when you get married. You got to think about the way that you communicate with your spouse, right? Sometimes the best option is just not... Uh, uh, please don't take this out of context. It's just best to not communicate anything at all. Let, let, me, let me show you how this works. Tell you about something that doesn't take place in our house. It takes place in our car. So my wife, she, she gets car sick. So uh, she often likes to drive because it means that she doesn't get as car sick. So I'm simply just the passenger and we will drive into a car park. I'm telling you the truth. No one can get as close to crashing as my wife. (laughs) And when we pull into the car park, I'm looking at the angle with which she's taking. And in my mind, I'm thinking about giving her so much good advice, right? 
but it's just better to sometimes not say anything at all. Now, in defense of my wife, right, she has never actually crashed the car, which if you ask me is an absolute miracle. It's like the hand of God is on our car. But as she's turning in, right, now I don't want to be that backseat driver that's giving her advice. So instead, I'm, I'm, I'm watching what's happening, but... Let me tell you how this works. If I keep my mouth shut, it begins to, my disapproval of the situation begins to manifest in other ways. So without any intention at all, my hands just start contorting. Like I'm like, like this, right? And like, and, and you know something else that I do? Is I hold my breath. I don't understand why either. It's not going to help, right? But when it does, let me, get, let me show you, give you an example of what this looks like. I go like that, right? And I'm, so I'm having like a little issue over here, right? And I'm, when this happens, right? I've noticed, I don't, again, this doesn't help, but I raise my eyebrows, right? Like that. And I lean back because somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm thinking if I lean far enough, maybe the car is going to get on two wheels and maybe we could just get into the car park and then I'll sit back and the car will land in the middle. So I'm like this, right? Now, for my marriage, it's best if I keep my mouth shut. But I'm telling you right now, she can see what's going on. I'm having like a little fit over here, okay? So she can hear the breathing or the lack thereof, right? And she knows what's going on. And I tell you, it can, she, can, she could get offended about this, right? Now, here's the thing. I don't want to offend my wife. You know why? I've got to live with her people. I need to, I'm, I'm going home to this woman, right? She's in my house. I share a bed with her. So I'm like, it doesn't matter. I can't escape this. I'm going to have to figure this stuff out. I've learned something about offense, is that the people that are closest to you are the ones that can offend you the most. Do you know why? The reason that they're so close to you is because you trust them. And when someone's close to you and you trust them and they break your trust, you didn't expect it, you got offended and it ends up wrecking your life. Now, I, I don't want to uh, understate it, so let me explain how this works to you for you tonight. If you've ever been the victim of anyone that has uh, abused you in some way, the enemy of your soul, the devil, will leverage all of your future relationships based on your past experiences so that you find it difficult to trust people again in your future. And he'll do it so that you can't have close relationships. Let me give you an example of what I mean so you understand it. Let's say, for example, you have been the victim of a person that's been in some kind of position of leadership or authority over your life. Could be a dad, whoever it is, right? And let's say that, let's say that they're a man, okay? Now this is what the enemy of your soul will do. In all future relationships where you have a man that's in a position of authority over you, and here's where it could take place. It could be a police officer. It could be a pastor. It could be a teacher. It could be a leader. And what will happen is they will say, moving forwards, oh, do you remember what that person did for you all the way back there? They're probably going to do it again in your future. And what happens is you start to not trust people in your future because of what's happened in your past. It'll wreck you. It will destroy you. My story starts to really take off around the time that I got offended with someone that's in authority over my life. It's actually God. And so what happened 
is when I was a child, I went to Sunday school, we went to church, and when I was 12 years old, I got an illness uh, that made me very sick. See, what happened is I, I caught the flu twice, and I had to go to the doctors about it, and I'm allergic to penicillin, so they said, please, you know, don't give my son penicillin, he's allergic to it. So guess what they gave me? Pretty much penicillin. So I'm taking it, and I'm getting sicker, and I, the medication that I think is helping is actually harming me, but I keep taking it. Eventually, it turns into something else, and I had this bizarre illness. It's actually called Guillain-Barre. It affects your central nervous system and shuts it down. And so I spent two years in physiotherapy when I was 12 to 14 years old learning how to walk again. I had to wear calipers that were strapped to my feet, and I didn't feel really good about that going into high school. And I felt very self-conscious about it. And the whole time, I believed that God could heal me, but now I had a bigger problem. I needed to reconcile the fact that he didn't. And he didn't meet my expectations. And so I was offended by God. And that is why I spent the next 10 years of my life making a series of very bad decisions in my attempt to punish God by wrecking my own life because what can you take from God? What's valuable to him as best as I could understand it? I I must be worth something to him. So I started to wreck my own life. Now, guess who paid the price for that? The prison was mine. And here I am trying to rebel against God. Do you know who ended up getting hurt? Me. I'm offended with God. Guess who the prison trapped? It was me. It was like someone had moved that trigger and the, and the trap was sprung. Bam, it's got me. I'm the one that's trapped. I wonder what's offending you tonight. I wonder what offense you're carrying. I wonder what, it's, what it is or who is in your life that when you see that person, it's still painful for you. I wonder what imaginary conversations you have as you think about that person and what they might be thinking about you. Where are you offended in life? What do you need to put down tonight? Because as long as you hold it, it's going to end up hurting and harming you. Now listen, no one's saying that your offense isn't legitimate. I wouldn't be foolish enough to say that. I have no idea what experiences you've gone through. But you should know what happens when you hold on to your offense. Let me read this to you. Matthew six fourteen to 15 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. That word trespasses can also be translated as offenses. So let me reread it with offenses. If you forgive others their offenses against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you of your offenses against him. But if you do not forgive others of their offenses towards you, neither will your Father in heaven, neither will he forgive you of your offenses towards him. That's pretty serious. If you read that and you understand what it's saying, you need to start forgiving. You see, you can either be offended or you can be forgiven, but you can't be both. You get that? You can be offended or you can be forgiven, 
but you can't be both. And if you thought it was difficult living with offense in your life, wait till you stand before your maker and you start trying to justify your reasons for offense as he begins to explain the reasons how you offended him. When he starts to show you your own sin and what it looked like to him, the ugliness of the decisions that you made and how he sent his one and his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for your sins on the cross so that you could walk in forgiveness. And as he begins to explain to you the gospel message that you heard a thousand times in church before and you stand before him and you start to justify the reasons why you should be offended with other people, I think the sound that's going to come out of your mouth is going to sound small. It's going to sound insignificant. You're going to look back over your life and you're going to think, I wish I could do it over again because if I did, I would just go straight ahead and forgive those people. Man, I read these scriptures like this and I thought to myself, honestly, this can't be right. This can't be right. This isn't the gospel message that we hear. What do we say? We say, oh, nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nor height, nor depth, nor things present, nor things to come, nor, nor angels, nor rulers. Like nothing in creation can separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. All except apparently this. Because Jesus says, if you don't forgive other people, then he's not going to go ahead and forgive you. So I thought to myself, I've got to really look into this. I really want to make sure that this means what it said. So I looked up some commentaries, people that are much smarter than me that wrote commentaries about this. And the commentary that I read was one by a guy named Michael Green. The series editor is John Stott. So what I mean to say is these are biblical scholars. These are creditable sources. And this is what they said about this passage. A condition of forgiveness is repentance. A condition of your forgiveness is repentance. When you don't forgive other people, you're not really repenting, are you? Do you know what that word means? It means that you lay down all of your offenses and the direction that you were going in life and you turn and you start to head towards God. Your salvation depends on your ability to repent. And he says, if you're not willing to lay down your offenses, if you're going to hold on to unforgiveness, you're not really repenting which means that you can't really be forgiven because the requirement is that you actually live a repentant life. And I read that, and to be honest, it kind of freaked me out. So I read another passage because I wanted to keep looking at it, Matthew five twenty-two. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. You ever been angry with someone? Someone just really hurt you and you got angry with them? He says, whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. I thought, you know, in terms of calling people names, when you say, you fool, you could call somebody worse names than that. That's, look, that's not the worst F word that I know, okay? <laughs> and here's what we do. We, we say, oh, well, one word is bad and one word is not. Do you know how God looks at it? He said, no, no, if you say this word, fool, he takes it really serious. And what if it wasn't so much the word that you said, but the spirit with which you said it? 
And now suddenly he's like, I detect in you that there is something serious that's going on in your heart. Guys, I think he's serious about this, this whole forgiveness business. I think Jesus is really serious about this. I think God is really serious about forgiving other people. The word fool, it means rucker. That does sound like a swear word. You go, ah, rucker. Right? It's like, it sounds like it could be. Do you know what it means? It means you empty headed man. Yeah. So if you say, that's a, listen, you empty-headed man is not the worst thing that you could be called in life. But what if it wasn't the words, you empty-headed man, but again, it was the spirit with which you said it. I just think we need to really consider how bad we want to hold on to our offenses. How bad do you want it? How much do you really want to hold on to your offenses when you know how much it's going to cost you? Have you, ever, have you ever gone to the, you know, you're in the kitchen at home and you put something in the microwave to reheat it and you kind of overdo it. So you put it, put it on for a couple of minutes and it beeps off. You open the microwave and it's like one of those thin bowls that are not very good at insulation. And so you, you pick it up and momentarily it feels all right to hold. And as you take, you're about one step from that microwave and you realize that what you have in your hands is a bowl of like magma. It's like lava. It's like so hot in your hands, right? And you think two things, right? I'm either going to drop this and then I'm going to have to clean it up or I'm going to have to get to that bench as quick as I can. So even though it's like one meter away, you sort of, you do like a run and you put it there because you're like it's, it's a leap it's, more, it's not a run it would require a second step but you like leap and you put it on the bench and then you're walking around doing some weird thing in the kitchen <laughs> why? because your hands are burning off and it hurts you to hold it do you know what it's like to hold a fence? it burns you yeah. it hurts you and it hurts to hold on to your offences you know what you'd be better doing? I know sometimes you want to try to make it to the bench, maybe make it to that next season, and then you consider, oh, I'll put it down there. Man, you've got to drop it. You've got to drop it. You've got to drop it like it's hard. Did you feel that Snoop Dogg? Drop it, like it, drop it like it's hard. Drop it like it's hard. I can keep going. Do you want me to? All right. No, someone said no. All right. Here we, no, I'm not going to do it. But you got to drop it like it's hot. It's going to hurt you to hold it. You know, it's a choice to put down your offense, don't you? You know, like it's not like you can't choose to forgive. I know somebody hurt you. I know it was unfair. I'm not even suggesting that it wasn't unfair, but you do know it's your choice to put it down. When I was in high school, I always looked for the shortcuts because I, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. So when I had to do a book report, this is VCE, all right? So your opinion of me is about to dive. But, but when I had to do a book report in VCE, <laughs> I did a Choose Your Own Adventure book because it was the shortest book that I could find to read and I really didn't want to do it in the first place. So you know, you know what a Choose Your Own Adventure book is? Some of you know, it's like you, you read a page and you get to the bottom and then you get to choose what happens next in the story and you choose to turn to a different page. So here's what you get to do in life. You can choose your own adventure. You can uh, forgive somebody and turn to page 26 or you can hold on to your offense and turn to page 48. Can I tell you what's on p page 48? Because we already read about it. 
So you can choose your own adventure. You're choosing your own future. You're making a decision for where you want to end up. I'm just letting you know right now, make a good decision. Because if you turn to the wrong page, you're going to be disappointed. You got to really think about the decisions that you're making in your life. If you choose to hold on to a fence, you're choosing to lay down on the canvas until the point that you die, of course. And when you do that, you're going to go ahead and meet your maker and then try to explain to him why you're able to hold on to your fence. I would give you a better advice tonight. Just get up off the canvas. Please don't stay down there for the rest of your life. Please don't be ineffective for the rest of your life because you're offended and you've got issues in your life and you're upset and it's destroyed your relationships. It's time to get up. It's time to forgive that person that hurt you. And it's time to move on with your life. Because guess what? The only life you're wrecking is your own. And you don't really want that. The best defense to offense is forgiveness. Do you get that? The best defense to offense is forgiveness. Why don't you say it with me? Just get that in you. The, use it, repeat after me. The best defense, best defense. to offense is forgiveness. You've got to start forgiving people in your life. Forgive everyone. In fact, here's what you need to do. Phil Pringle said this. He said, uh, he's a pastor of a, a, a church. He said, I forgive everybody every day for everything. Sometimes you're going to have to wake up and do it every day. I forgive everybody every day of everything. You have to make that decision tomorrow because you forgave that person today, but you woke up tomorrow and it still hurts. Okay, fine. Make another decision to forgive that person again. Offenses will come. Jesus said that. Offended, that's a position. You choose. You're going to choose to take the position of offended. That's where you're going to stay. That's how you remain. Remain in a position of offense. I don't know who said this. Someone, you know what? Since nobody knows, I, I made this up. I said this. <laughs> Say that everywhere. Uh, holding offense is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It doesn't make sense, does it? You're drinking poison. This was like having offense in your life, thinking, tell me when it hurts. Are you in pain yet? No. You're the one that's hurting. So what do you got to do? You got to forgive. You got to keep forgiving. You got to forgive people for the stuff that they've done in your life. It's a prison. It wrecks your relationships. It wrecks your future. Listen, I never said that forgiveness was easy. That's not this message. I didn't say it was fine. It was easy. Just do it. I know it's difficult, but it's, it's still necessary. You still need to make a decision to do it. You know the Lord's Prayer? The disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, tell us, how should we pray? How can we do this? My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our offenses as we forgive those who have offended us. It's in the Lord's Prayer. That's how you should be praying every day. Is there offense in my heart? Is there something that's wrecking my relationships? You know, you know what you got to do? Just let it go let it go don't hold it back anymore see this is what happens when you have a two year old right? see even Princess Elsa from Frozen got it I don't know why we can't get it let it go let, should I sing it let it go alright I'm not gonna I want you to come back next week but you gotta let it go you hold it back you're holding yourself back 
don't hurt yourself by holding on to forgiveness. The best defense against offense is forgiveness. So who are you going to forgive? Who are you going to forgive? Who is it that's in your world right now that you know has offended you? When you think about them, it's painful. You see their name on Facebook and instantly the temperature in the room rises. Why? Because you get worked up. What are you going to do? Do you know what the Bible says? It says that unforgiveness is a scheme of the devil. Holding onto, onto unforgiveness, it says, you do that, you're getting outwitted. You're outsmarted. Are you getting outsmarted? You're getting played here, by the way. If you're a Christian holding onto offense, you are getting played. He's outsmarting you right now because he knows he's wrecking everything. You check in with yourself. No, 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 no. I'm right to feel like this. I know it feels like that. Please don't be led by your emotions. Make a decision to forgive. Offenses will come. Offended is a position. What are you going to do about it? You're going to forgive that person, move on with your life. Are you going to get set free or are you going to hold on to it? Let it burn you and hurt you the rest of your life. The best defense to offense is forgiveness. Why don't we stand to our feet? trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.